As I stood watching, a little bit excited, a little bit nervous, and a little bit scared, I stared in awe and anticipation to witness the miracle of a newborn baby take its first breath and be placed into my arms. And each time, whether as one of my three sons or three daughters, I knew my life was at a turning point, that things would be different, that somehow God had entrusted and blessed me with the well-being and bringing up of each of these children. And as they grew up, they would either look at me as an example of what to do or what not to do. And I knew if I did it right, it wouldn't just be an 18-year experiment and good luck, but if I lived my life with a vision and a purpose, putting off the trappings and temptations of this world and devoting myself to God, that maybe with the grace of God, they would be inspired to follow in the same path. And then I would have the opportunity to offer friendship, mentorship, and guidance, not just for a season, but for a lifetime. And not just to this generation, but to the next. We've all had times in our life that when we're going through it or we look back, that we can clearly see a turning point in our life. Whether it be the birth of a child, the start or ending of a relationship or job, maybe the death of a friend or family member. And maybe this turning point would define a transformation in your life that would change your outlook on life, your habits, or maybe even the people that you associate with. And sometimes you and I made these decisions for the positive, and other times, unfortunately, we made choices in our life that made a negative impact. Well, good morning. Happy Father's Day. My name's David Bessenbacher. I'm a member of the preaching team here at Dallas Church, and we're going through a series called My Life First, where each member of our preaching team picks out a verse that speaks to them that has been a guide and inspiration to them in their life. And our hope is that this series will inspire you to choose your life verse or verses. And I don't know about for you, but for me, it seemed like such a daunting task out of 39 books in the Old Testament and 27 in the New, 66 books total with over 30,000 verses to choose from, how could I choose just one? Well, the truth is, I didn't have to, and you don't either. There may be several verses that you can point to that speak to you at different situations or seasons in your life, but the goal is, by the end of the series, that you can choose at least one if you haven't already. And as I was thinking about what to share today through my different experiences throughout my faith journey, uh, one set of verses kept coming to mind. Romans 12, 1 and 2. And I'd like to share that to you with you from the ESV. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. As I share with you some of my uh, experiences and turning points throughout my faith journey today, my hope is that you will be able to look back through your life 
and see different turning points along the path and learn from the good and the bad. And I also hope is that you come to a turning point in the future that maybe you don't always take the easy path, but maybe the path that with some prayer and a little bit of guidance from a trusted friend or mentor will help to transform you into the person that God has called you to be. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time to come together today and worship you. Thank you for different turning points and seasons in our life that help define who we are and give us the opportunity to draw closer to you. Lord, help us to experience real transformation and put away the old things of this world. God, we just ask that you help us to receive the blessings that you have for each and every one of us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I was 10 years old, and my parents had decided to move from Tigard, Oregon, to Dallas, Oregon. And I would be going from an elementary school of 500 or more kids to a tiny school that had around 200 or maybe even less that ranged from kindergarten to 12th grade. And I wasn't excited about that, to say the least. Well, at the time, my uh, parents were buying my grandparents' place, and for about six months, we moved in with them while they, my grandparents were waiting to move into their new home. And my grandfather was a man that I had always looked up to and respected. To me, he was Superman. And all these other chumps on TV, they were just pretending to be him. He was strong physically, but you could also see that he brought strength to the family and the people around him. He always expected you to do and give your best. I trusted him. I wanted to emulate him. And he was like he was one of the first mentors in my life, even though I didn't know or understand that term yet. But one day, he hands me this giant book that said Holy Bible on it. And he said, you need to read this. And without much more explanation uh, or direction than I could remember, I opened it up and I remember reading the words, in the beginning, God. And I never really questioned if there was a God. For some reason, uh, that always seemed to make sense to me. You could just look around and see evidence of his glorious creation. Well, my grandfather helped me get plugged into Sunday school and Wednesday night youth group. And I remember uh, enjoying the different uh, situations and people I was learning about and how there was this almighty God, this God that even my grandfather, who was Superman, respected, revered, and bowed down to. But originally, I wasn't really sure what to do with this information. Who was this God or I, didn't, I wasn't sure of the concept of how to know God or have a relationship with him. Well, all of that was about to change when my aunt, uncle, and my cousin Jessica, who was about the same age as me, came and visited from Florida. And somehow, my 10-year-old cousin and I convinced our parents that it would be a good idea for me to go back with them and spend a month with them at their home in Jacksonville, Florida. Well, while we were back there, uh, my uncle, who was a preacher, took us out to a Wednesday night event, and I found myself in a a youth group, again, listening as usual, probably enjoying it, when at the end, the teacher asked this question. 
If you were to leave here tonight and die in a car accident, would you want to know that you're going to heaven? A compelling question for sure. And she said, uh, as we pray, say these words along with me and accept Jesus into your heart. Well, we started to pray, and I didn't do that, at least to any meaningful extent that I can remember. And when the prayer was over, she said, did anybody accept Jesus into their heart? And as I opened my eyes with, to my surprise, there was my cousin Jessica with all the excitement of a 10-year-old girl pointing at me. My cousin did. My cousin did. Well, on the car ride home, she was explaining this to her parents and how I was saved and had accepted Jesus into my heart. And I don't know if it was my lack of excitement or my silence or if I had an expression on my face. Uh, But when we got back to the house, my aunt being the wise woman she is, kind of took me off to the side and asked what happened. And I told her my version of it. And then she graciously asked me a few questions. She said, David, do you believe in the God of the Bible? I said, yes. She said, do you believe that he sent Jesus to live a perfect life that you could not live and to die on a cross for your sins? And I said, yeah, I think I believe that. She said, do you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead three days later? I said, yes. And then she asked me one really important question. She said, David, are you ready to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life and accept the free gift of eternal life? I said that I wanted to and that I was. And I felt energy like never before in this uh, transformation that I knew was a turning point in my life. Well, shortly after, when I returned home to Oregon, I was, I was baptized. I continued to read my Bible, attending youth groups, and I even shared the gospel with a few friends from school. Well, unfortunately, a few years later, this uh, story takes a turn in the opposite uh, direction. And as, as I look back, I find myself breaking parts of the verse in Romans 12:2 that says, Do not be conformed to this world and discern what is good and acceptable. Uh, When I was going into middle school, my grandfather was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and uh, what was once strength in mind and body uh, began to quickly fade. First the mind went, and then progressively over the years, the the body just gave out. Uh, Superman had met his kryptonite. And at the time, I was looking for acceptance uh, and approval and to fit in, and in all the wrong places. And similarly, like how my, my grandfather had handed me the Bible and said, you need to read this, uh, another individual came into my life and handed me a music CD, and he said, you need to listen to this. And I, I don't know what attracted it to me. Um, as I listened to it, it, it openly uh, re- taught rebellion against authority, It glorified sex, drugs, murder, adultery, uh, foul language. And for about 10 years, I would listen to this music constantly. I would listen to it during the day. It would play when I went to bed. And I know that this had an effect 
on my subconscious. And I would become and begin to associate with people who talked a certain way, dressed a certain way, and just had an overall bad attitude and worldview of life. And if you would have asked me during this time if I was a Christian, I would have said yes, because I believe that I was saved by the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. But was I really following him? I could justify to you my bad behaviors and sins, but and I could probably tell you that I wasn't really that bad. But something wasn't right. I knew it deep down. My parents knew it. The people around me probably knew it. And I was putting in more negative inputs than positive, And I was progressively creating a downward spiral in my life. Well, thankfully, in my early 20s, I was introduced to another mentor in my life who redirected my path. He asked me tough questions about life and faith, and he encouraged me to read and seek out positive association. He encouraged me to pray about my different decisions in life and to take responsibility for the good and bad choices that I was making. He said one day, David, you are the sum total of the decisions that you have made up to this point. And at first, I didn't like to hear that. (laughs) But a mentor doesn't tell you what you want to hear. Sometimes they tell you what you need to hear. And it seemed every time I saw him, he would have a new book to read or question to ponder. And this would set me on a path that changed my thinking. It would cause me to dig deep down and ponder, why do I believe what I believe? And if I truly believe that, is the way that I'm living my life, is my character and my life reflecting that? I would need to stop being conformed to this world and start choosing to be transformed and and start making intentional decisions daily. Though life circumstances took us in different directions, um, I'm always grateful for what I learned during that time period. And I resolved to continue to forge my character, and I knew now what to look for in a mentor and really how to have several mentors. Well, in 2008, my grandfather uh, passed away from the Alzheimer's, And besides that, I was going through some of the toughest trials and storms in my life. It was like the weight of my good decisions and bad decisions had come to a crossroads. And the weak foundations were beginning to crumple away. And I knew that as the storm subsided that I would have a choice to make. I could do things my way again, or I could start building that foundation off of God's principles. And it's about this time when God sent a rainbow into my life through this bubbly, eccentric, uh, beautiful girl who eventually became my wife. Uh, You know her as Christina. And you know, marriage is a beautiful thing. Proverbs 18.22 says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. And I don't know what I did to receive such favor from the Lord, but I am blessed. And it's worth it to continue to build a marriage on a proper foundation, and that foundation is on Christ. See, marriage is the first place we get to put into practice what Jesus said is the greatest commandments, love God and love people. It's the first place we get to practice sacrifice and forgiveness. Ephesians 5 says that husbands are to love your wives as Christ loved the church. 
When Jesus came to the earth, he didn't talk about his rights or his feelings. He loved unconditionally. He loved those who hurt him, who betrayed him. Jesus didn't deserve to go to the cross, but because for his love for us, he did it. He modeled the way that each of us can follow, and we're going to mess it up from time to time. But if you really think about it, if each spouse is modeling Christ, then there are so many great blessings that can, come, that can come out of it. The problem is, we're human. And miscommunications, hurt feelings, and our rights can cause what Dr. Egeritz says in his book, Love and Respect, about the difference between a crazy cycle and an energizing cycle. You either act with love and respect towards each other, or you don't. But to transform and not suffer from conformity, one of the spouses has to step off that crazy cycle and to start modeling the love of Christ. And I'm so thankful that Christina, throughout uh, all the years of our marriage, has chosen multiple times to stay on the energizing cycle. And she's been a great example of that. Even when people told her, hey, this doesn't make sense, uh, what you're doing here. And as I started today with each of my children, as I watched them be, uh, as I watched them be, be born and became their father, Another amazing blessing from the Lord. I knew that my decisions now would have to be uh, bigger than just about me. I would need to provide, protect, and prepare my children in this world. And as I looked out into the world, I noticed that there was a battle not just for my mind and heart, but for the hearts and minds of my children. And that the world's values were not my values or the values that I learned from God's word. And this idea of presenting myself as a living sacrifice unto the Lord could have a much bigger effect. And it could inspire in my children what Vadi Bakum wrote about in his book, Family Driven Faith, this idea of multi-generational faithfulness. And I remember talking with Christina, my wife, and we were discussing discipline and rules. And we came to the conclusion that we don't just want to have trained rules and have rules and trained behaviors but that we wanted to train the heart. Because the hardest thing isn't getting them to do the right thing when we're there, when we have our direct influence, or when I can use my dad voice, Uh, but will they do the right thing when no one's looking, when they see something happening that's not right? And ultimately, will they find and build their own relationship with Jesus that guides and directs their life? And it not just be about religion or legalism, but a real decision to follow Jesus and make him their Lord and Savior. Maybe you've had similar experiences in your life, or maybe you're going through a significant turning point right now, and you have some tough decisions to make. And maybe you're not sure what the best thing to do is. Maybe some of you have played sports or have followed athletes from time to time. If you think about an athlete, they condition their mind and their body and they practice and prepare a lot more than they compete. Uh, Mary Lou Retton, who won the Olympic uh, medal for the U.S. gymnastics in the 80s, said she spent seven years of her life, seven days a week, for seven hours a day, for a seven-second performance. Uh, Boxer Joe Frazier said, Champions aren't made in the ring. They are merely recognized there. What you cheat on in the early light of the morning will show up in the ring under the big lights. 
Paul said in his letter to the Corinthians, uh, reading here from the New Living Translation, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. There are disciplines and habits in our life that either take us closer to or further from our God-given potential and purpose. What I learned on my faith journey is in order to continue to transform and stop conforming, that I had to stop, start eliminating habits from my life that were not taking me in the direction that I wanted to go. I had to stop stumping or killing the growth process by diluting it with what I was listening to, things I was watching, and the negative habits that I was developing. And I'm not saying not to watch certain movies or your favorite TV show or just, you know, turn off your favorite music. I'm talking more about prioritizing. Who are you giving influence over your thoughts? In 2017, Nielsen reported that Americans watch five hours a day of TV and listen to four and a half hours of music per day. On the flip side, reading was less than 20 minutes per day, and we spend less than two hours with a friend and less than an hour of quality time with our family. You know, it's good if you're attending church one hour a week and reading a verse of the day or a few chapters from your Bible. But are you like where I was, where you're stumping or choking out the growth of the fruits of the Spirit because you're diluting it so much uh, with bad information? It's so much, are we conforming to the things of this world? In the book, The Slight Edge, written by Jeff Olson, he talks about the effects of your daily habits being compounded over time. And, what you, and you can do habits each day that will create massive positive results in your life. Or you can do habits that spiral down into negative results. And to compound good habits over time is easy to do. You know, it's easy to read your Bible daily, set a time, some t- uh, time for prayer, spend quality time with friends and family, or find a way to help out in the community but it's also easy not to do. And sometimes our negative habits are easy to do and we get stuck in them or we justify our bad behaviors and sins and say, you know, that's just who I am. A section of the book, The Slight Edge, put it this way. Those little things that will make you successful in life, that will secure your health, your happiness, your fulfillment, your dreams, are simple, subtle, mundane things that nobody will see Nobody will applaud. Nobody will even notice. They are those things at the time when you do them often feel like they make absolutely no difference. Things that are ridiculously easy to do, but just as easy not to do. Things that don't seem to bring you any visible results at first. Things that seem so insignificant they couldn't possibly matter, but they do. Things when you look at them as a single occurrence don't seem like they've made any impact at all. Yet when compounded over time, they add up to outrageous success. And these things, they don't save us. Only Jesus can save us. But if we're going to present our bodies as a living sacrifice back to God, 
We've got to be mindful of the habits and disciplines in our life. I'd like to share with you my life verse again and then share some ways to help bring uh, and be open to real transformation with a few disciplines and habits. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We live in a society that wants instant gratification or a magic pill, but good things can take time. And if we're consistent and with the grace of God, putting in more positive than negative, we can have real transformation. So what are some disciplines and habits you and I can focus on knowing that real transformation takes time, but compounded over time can make a massive difference and create a ripple effect around us? Here are some of the ones that I have found to be extremely helpful. The discipline of study. We should be in God's word constantly, thinking, pondering, asking questions. We can read good books that challenge us. We can turn our drive time into study time with a good sermon or teaching audio or even the Bible on audio. There are so many resources out there, but it's our job tune out the negative, and just uh, turn a good idea into a habit. The discipline of prayer. As with being in the Word, we should make time for prayer and talking with God. Uh, A good acrostic that a friend taught me was pray. Praise, uh, repent, ask, and yield. Uh, Another thing I remember reading from Norman Vincent Peale's book, uh, Power of Positive Thinking, was to make your prayer an ongoing conversation with God throughout the day. Uh, Pastor Ben recently gave a talk on the power power of prayer that you can go back and listen to on the Dallas Church app or maybe re-listen to it. You know, it's it's okay to do that. Uh, The discipline of fellowship. We should make time to fellowship with each other. Church service is good, but maybe we should dig a little deeper. Maybe a small group or invite someone over to dinner or coffee. Uh, When we do life together, we get the opportunity to build and encourage each other up. We get to be a friend in times of struggle and and reflect that love of Christ. Christ Christ-centered friendships bear fruit and can inspire us all to do immeasurable things. Uh, And then the discipline of service. Love for God and his people should inspire us to take some sort of action through service. And we don't have to be great in an area to start serving, but we should start. And God can mold us into the person that he wants us to be. You know, it doesn't do any good to steer a parked car, uh, but when the car is moving, the directions are much more effective. Uh, If I had to wrap up today with one sentence, I would say, choose to be uh, transformed and not conform. Choose to be transformed and not conform. What if we were truly open to real transformation and daily disciplines? What if we really started shutting off the old negative habits and started putting some disciplines on ourselves? And not so we can be puffed up and self-righteous, but so that we could go out and make a bigger impact, reach another person to share the life-changing message of Jesus. So we could inspire multi-generational faithfulness. 
not just in our families, but maybe in our friends, neighbors, and coworkers? What if we slowed down and really prioritized our lives and sought out through study and prayer what God really has planned for us? What if we partnered with other Christians and really started tackling some big projects? God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Don't conform to the things of this world, but let God transform you into the person that can fulfill those plans and purposes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are a gracious God, that you love each and every one of your children. God, we just ask that if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, that you would reveal yourself to them. God, we thank you for this day and all the fathers. Lord, help us to be transformed and not to conform. God, may it all be for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.